It's not every day that you get the chance to chat with an American hero, but today you get to hear my opportunity to do just that. I had the chance to sit down with Clint Hill and his beautiful wife and co-writer, Lisa, to talk about their newest book, My Travels with Mrs. Kennedy, which is out today. Mr. Hill was the Secret Service agent assigned to protect Jacqueline Kennedy during her White House years and throughout 1964, which was, of course, the year after her husband, John F. Kennedy, was assassinated in Dallas on November 22, 1963. If you've ever seen the Zapruder film or stills from it, you'll remember as Mrs. Kennedy attempts to climb out of the rear of the car, not to save herself, mind you, but to, and I apologize if this is graphic, but it is history, to retrieve a piece of her husband's skull that had been blown away by the shots. You can see Mr. Hill pushing her back into the car and climbing on top of both her and President Kennedy. The assassination is a day I'm confident Agent Hill would call one of the worst, if not the worst, of his life. But his career is so much more than those few awful moments in Dallas. As you'll hear him explain, he served in the Secret Service for five presidential administrations, from Eisenhower to Ford. He was in the CIA before joining the Secret Service, and his heroic act of courage and bravery during the Kennedy assassination earned him well-deserved commendation. And today, Agent Hill is the last surviving person who was in the presidential limousine on that fateful day. Nellie Connolly, wife of Governor John Connolly, was the last to pass away. She died in 2006. I am so thankful Mr. Hill has chosen to share his memories with the world, not just in this newest book, which is out today, as I said, but in other books like Mrs. Kennedy and Me and Five Days in November and Five Presidents, My Extraordinary Journey with Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, and Ford. His co-writer on all four of these books, Lisa McCubbin, is now Lisa McCubbin Hill, his wife, as of late last year. I was so pleased she was able to join us as well for this fantastic conversation. Take a listen. Agent Hill and Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome to the show. It's truly an honor to have you both here. Thank you, Rachel. We're glad to be here. Yes, we certainly are. Thank you very much. So Agent Hill, it again is, I mean, it's such an honor to be here with you today. You are a former U.S. Secret Service agent who served under five U.S. presidents, including President John F. Kennedy. And during the Kennedy administration, you were assigned to protect the First Lady, Jacqueline Kennedy, remaining with her until after the 1964 presidential election. So we will obviously get to her plenty in the next few minutes. But before we do, I would love to know how you got into a career in the Secret Service. When I finished college, I immediately went into the U.S. Army. Uh-huh. And I was selected then to attend the uh, the Army Intelligence School, and they trained me to be a counterintelligence agent. Mm-hmm. I did that for the U.S. government until 1957. And then I uh, got out of the Army, and I thought I was going to go back into teaching school and coaching athletics, but when I investigated it, it really wasn't what I wanted to do. I liked what I had been doing and I wanted to do something similar. 
so I kind of checked around and I found the Secret Service was one that I could possibly get into and I applied. It took about a year to get clearance. And in that time, I worked as a detective for the uh, Chicago Burlington Railroad. But then in 1958, I became a Secret Service agent. I was assigned to the Denver field office in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. A year later, I was assigned to the White House on the Presidential Protective Unit. And my total career from that point on was in at the White House or at Secret Service headquarters. Mm -hmm. I never left that area. I, I mean, was retired mm -hmm. in 1975 because of uh, what had happened in 63. I was suffering so badly from PTSD. Yeah. I could not pass the physical. And in 75, when I took the physical and flunked it, they were forced to retire me. Yeah. But in the meantime, you served under five U.S. presidents, spanning from Eisenhower to, is that, was that Ford? Was, yes, was Ford Eisenhower, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, and Ford, three Republicans and two Democrats. Okay. I doubt I doubt political party matters much when you're protecting their life, though. It, it doesn't matter. Just, you are protecting the person. Absolutely. When I was in, we had, we didn't pay any attention to politics. Right. We were there protecting the office of the president and its occupant and making him safe as we could and providing him with the opportunity as much as possible to do his job in the best manner possible. Yeah, absolutely. Lisa, I want to switch to you for a moment. So if correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Travels with Mrs. Kennedy is the fourth book that you have collaborated on together, all of which I told you offline just a moment ago, I've read and I've loved and, and I actually own all four of these books, which I, I do a lot of library renting. So it means a lot that I own these books because they are so good, <laughs> including including tra my travels with Mrs. Kennedy, which is obviously the newest book. So Lisa, what about this new book compelled you the most as you worked on it? Um, well, the idea came for it, you know, we were uh, sequestered during the COVID crisis um, mm -hmm. and we kind of, you know, wanted something to do. And it just so happened that in the fall of 2019, right before the pandemic started, um, we were back in Alexandria, Virginia, where um, Clint owned a home that he had had for what, almost 60 years. Yeah. And um, he had decided it was time to sell it and um, needed to clean it out. He thought that, you know, he'd gotten everything of importance out of it. And it was mostly furniture and, you know, different things like that. But once we got there, um, I went through and I realized there was a lot of memorabilia Mm -hmm. and things from his time in the secret service that was still there and it wasn't something we wanted to just you know call 1-800-GOT-JUNK and throw it into a dumpster well, that's, okay. what I want. that's what he wanted to do I'm so glad you did not do that thank <laughs> you for not doing that <laughs> and because the all of this stuff it was just stuff to Clint because to him you know that was his job it was you know he was given so much stuff all the time. Um, but 
the really interesting thing to me that we found was this trunk yes. that was in his garage, um, you know, under a whole bunch of other stuff. And he had described it to me before, um, but I didn't realize it still existed. And mm. there it was. And I wanted to open it up right away. And he said, no, 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 you know, let's wait till tomorrow because it's going to be a mess. There was a flood in the garage many years ago and I haven't opened it in 50 years. Everything's probably moldy. So we waited till the next day. And then, and I felt like I was opening up Tutankhamun's tomb <laughs> because we didn't know what was going to be in there. And I had rubber gloves and we actually filmed it as we opened it up. Oh, and wow. surprisingly, it was packed to the brim full of boxes and envelopes and all different kinds of things and we just started going through it and as we did he would just tell me stories about all of these different things they brought back a lot of memories and so mm -hmm. um that was the the impetus for this book is going through all this memorabilia which I think a lot of people can probably relate to, especially people my age. Um, I'm almost 60 and my parents are aging and a lot of my friends, their parents are downsizing their houses and mm -hmm. they have all this stuff and you you don't know, well, what do you keep for your you know family's history and, and what do you toss? And that's kind of what Clint was faced with although his things were of historical significance. I was going to say, nobody cares about my family's history, but everybody cares about your family's history. Um, yeah, I loved reading in the book about that experience of going through the steamer trunk and finding the scrapbook. And you described that so well in the book. So I just want to know, you know, for, for both of you, because one of you lived the experiences and one of you was just hearing about them. But what was it like to sift through those memories and to re relive those years and those travels? Because I bet everything you pulled out of the trunk was a new memory. Well, somewhat, sure. Yeah. It all took me back to that particular moment in time that that photograph was taken. Yeah. And uh, from, but it was from all over the world, whether it was Morocco or Italy or Greece or mm -hmm. India, Pakistan uh london paris yeah everywhere every, you know, south america colombia venezuela mm -hmm. uh, puerto rico uh just you know all these various places we went to mm -hmm. and then the places within the continental united states that we visited constantly like Hyattsburg, massachusetts on the cape and uh, middleburg virginia in the uh hot country out in, not too far from washington and so every time I'd look at something, it'd bring back a memory of that particular location and something that had happened. Yeah. And it was, it was very emotional. I can imagine. And for me, the things that he sort of thought were mundane, I felt like I was touching history. Oh, you know? yeah. So, oh, yeah. And he would kind of get a kick out of how excited I got about little things. I would be the same way, Lisa, the exact same way. I, I mean, I just every page of this book was was a new gift. And, you know, in addition to these anecdotes and the written word, the book is filled with these dazzling photos of your travels with Mrs. Kennedy. The cover photo of the book is just absolutely it's breathtaking. And so I'm wondering for this is for both of you, which is there a photo in the book that stands out to you as a favorite? 
See, I don't have one. Mm -hmm. There's no favorite of mine. I love that photo on, on the cover of Mrs. Kennedy sitting on the edge of the uh, sailing vessel. Mm -hmm. But and, um, there's not a favorite for me. Did you well, take I, that photo on the cover? Did you take that photo? She asked. No, 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 no. Okay. It's no, that's um. It's actually by Mark Shaw, who was a uh, time life a life photographer. Yeah, he, he was a, uh, he was a private photographer, but he had a contract with Time Life. Mm -hmm. He was one of the best photographers in the country. And he was on that trip, but Clint was on that trip also, and almost everybody else who was there when that photo was taken has now died. So yeah, Clint to be able to tell the story of this beautiful photograph, which um you know, has been seen before, but um, nobody really knew the story behind it. And for Clint to be able to tell that we thought was really, really special. Yeah, um, absolutely. Do you have a favorite, Lisa? Yes. My favorite oh, is the one, <laughs> um, same time frame, probably around the same moment as this photo was taken. It's of Clint and another agent, Toby Chandler, mm -hmm. on, on their security boat right next to yes oh yes, boat. and he's yes yes he's in his bathing suit and he's smiling he's laughing um because mrs kennedy has just said something funny to him uh -huh. and it's i remember saying you know it's so rare to see a photo of him smiling because as a secret service agent you know their job is so uh serious right and right so you know they're always looking at the crowds and this was a moment of levity they were out on the water there wasn't you know any particular risk to mrs kennedy and um it just that's the clint that i know mm -hmm. is i can just see his his soul and his personality in that smile and plus he was so handsome really? as he is now but yeah. as 30 year old um man I mean oh my god I don't want to talk about your husband, but abs I mean I don't disagree with you at all, I don't <laughs> you at all. <laughs> so I mean the book takes us everywhere I mean everywhere all around the world but I want to start with Paris in 1961 Mrs. Kennedy you write you used her intelligence and feminine wiles to charm Charles de Gaulle and even you, Agent Hill. I love that line. It's, uh, I think Lisa, you asked him, did she use those feminine wiles on you? And he said, absolutely, you have no idea. So <laughs> what stands out to you most from that trip? From Paris? Yeah, from Paris. Well, the way she manipulated uh, de Gaulle to some extent and the relationship she uh, began with uh, their minister of culture. Mm -hmm. um, Andre Melrose. Andre Melrose, yes. And that's why we in the United States were the recipients of being able to uh, see the Mona Lisa up close and personal. Mm -hmm. Because Mrs. Kennedy convinced the two of them that it should be allowed to leave France for other people within the world who can't travel have the opportunity to see it. And they did finally relinquish their holding rights to it to the extent possible. And it was brought to the United States and put on display and millions of people saw it. So yeah. it's a wonderful thing that did happen. And it was all because of her 
attitude at the time toward the, the French government, toward both the French president de Gaulle and the minister of culture, Andre Malraux. Well, she spoke fluent French. Right. And so she, well, the, the president had a translator. She was able to speak directly to right. all of these people. And that was so impressive to them. Oh, of course. Yeah. I was just, I just went to France for the first time myself this summer and it makes a difference. I mean, it, 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 it can be really clunky communicate, obviously communicating in a different language, but she all, she didn't just speak French. She spoke many different languages. She spoke Spanish and charmed people on your travels. I remember reading that. I mean, just so, she's such a just fascinating, cultured, brilliant woman. And um, and I loved reading about you know the many layers of her in this book. And I want to talk about this too. I've so I've talked about Mrs. Kennedy on the show before because I'm I mean as many people are just enamored with her and. A frequent guest on your travels with Mrs. Kennedy was her younger sister, Lee. And I, I actually am equally fascinated by both of the beautiful Bouvier sisters. I, I think that they're individually very interesting, but together they're very interesting to me as a pair. So what was from your experience interacting with them both? Because Lee was there a lot. Lee was in this book a lot more than I thought she would be. So what was the relationship between the sisters like that you observed? Well, they were close in one point of view. I mean, they, they trusted each other. And they, when in times of problems or something, they were going to help each other as best they could. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Lee was very jealous of the status that Mrs. Kennedy had acquired because of her husband being president. Mm -hmm. And that became somewhat obvious at times. Um, but, uh, and she also, there was a problem because Lee had been divorced. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to things like going to meet the Pope, Lee was not permitted to do so, whereas Mrs. Yeah. was and had a private appointment with her, with the Pope. And so there were some problems, but they were... As close as sisters can be, I guess. Right. Well, and, and what I found so interesting is Mrs. Kennedy really had very few close friends. Uh-huh. That's true. And uh -huh. they were mostly, most of her friends were in Middleburg, um, people who no horse, but horse yeah, enjoyed horse riding like she did. Yeah. And um, so... I think her sister was someone like Clint said she could really trust, you know, who knew her, her closer friends were the people that she knew before she became Mrs. John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm just thinking that's kind of funny. I never recall ever seeing Lee on a horse. <laughs> really? Mrs. Kennedy, it, that's where she'd rather be than almost. Right, anybody. right. Uh, and like you said, Lisa, many of her friends and there are only a few we're out in the hunt country of Virginia. Mrs. Mellon, Bunny Mellon, uh, Mrs. Fout, Eve Fout. They were the probably the two closest out there for her that uh, and they were, uh, you know, in constant contact out there. Right, and Lee just seemed to be her her companion and her guest on on all of these trips, which to me makes sense because that's your sister. And you know, sometimes I forget how young. Mrs. Kennedy was during all of this, right? Because I just turned 36 a couple of days ago. 
And I still feel pretty young, but she, Mrs. Kennedy was 31 years old. And when she met the queen, for example, who was only 35, um, I doubt that the two of you know this about me, but my primary role is a royal family reporter. I'm the royals editor at Marie Claire magazine. So I have to, yeah, so I have to ask, especially with the very recent passing within the last month of, of her late majesty, Queen Elizabeth II, I would love to know what that meet because you were there, what the meet, and you talk about it in the book, what the meeting was like between Mrs. Kennedy and the queen. Well, they'd met twice during that time that they were, well, more than twice, but twice in London. Mm-hmm. Um, first time was a visit by both President and Mrs. Kennedy, 1961. And then uh, again, when Mrs. Kennedy came to London separately, uh, the Queen was informed by her people that she was there. And she invited Mrs. Kennedy to to lunch, um, and and Lee was not invited, and mm-hmm. so uh, I I went with her to the the, the uh, palace, Buckingham Palace, and uh, uh-huh. she went in and had lunch with the Queen. And I didn't go in and look over her shoulder to see what she was eating or anything. <laughs> I remember I asked Lynn, I said, um, oh, did, did you go into the palace with her? And he said, Lisa, I was not invited to have lunch with the queen. <laughs> but did you see the queen in person though? Surely, right? Yeah, sure. I've seen uh-huh, them all. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean you know them. Sure, 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 uh, sure. You can have and lunch they with have someone and that palace, doesn't mean you know them. Yeah, and the palace had their own security. So sure, well, yeah, sure. Like he had to be right there. Yeah, we have a good relationship with Scotland Yard with all those people. So uh-huh. it's certainly my point. I mean, just the amount of history that, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, just such a gift that you're sharing these stories because you could keep them all to yourself or even to your family. But the fact that we get to be, and it's, it, you know, that one struck me the most. I think I read the book actually before the queen died, but then I paged back through it after she died on September 8th. And I was like, you know, he's met the queen too. Like just all the people that, that you have been able to encounter. And you met the Pope in 1962. You went to India and Pakistan, where I found this interesting, no president or first lady has gone back to Pakistan since, which is surprising to me because I, uh, speaking of the British royal family, I just covered a couple of years ago, William and Kate went to Pakistan. I don't know why we haven't, but um, Latin America, Ravello, Italy. So if, if you had to choose, and this is probably an impossible question, but if you had to choose which of these many trips detailed in the book was the most meaningful to you? What would you choose and, and why? Well, I'd probably treat, choose the trip to uh, Ravello in Italy because it was the most fun. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was not official. It was a strictly a vacation type trip to Mrs. Kenny and Caroline. And uh, Lee and Stash, her sister and brother-in-law were there and some friends of theirs. Um, so I mean, and and on this occasion, I mean, they really let their hair down and just enjoyed themselves. And we had, fortunately, we got some really good photos of, of she on this trip where she's sitting there eating spaghetti with Caroline and or uh-huh. water skiing with Caroline on the skis with her, which the British people found rather 
dangerous and really chastised her for not having the appropriate safety equipment for Caroline and for herself. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I mean, that was one trip where she was completely at ease. There was no formality whatsoever. It was a wonderful time. Well, and it's almost a cruel juxtaposition of how at ease she was there on the Amalfi Coast. And then everything happens in 1963. And obviously she's probably never able to be that quote unquote innocent again. And, you know, as powerful as your travels with Mrs. Kennedy, where I was also incredibly moved by the year of 1964 with her, which of course came after the president's assassination in November of 1963, obviously much more subdued, not joyful at all, the total 180 of the Italy trip. But I would love to know, you know, after all of these travels, you've been everywhere, all over the world. What was 1964 like protecting her and her two children? It was, that was the toughest part time because of the fact that every day we'd see her, her husband had been killed. We had the responsibility to protect him and we didn't. Yeah. And so I had to live with that. Or the kids look at their eyes and see that they no longer had a living father. So it was a very difficult time emotionally. And the thing that kept it going was the fact that we were on the move almost constantly. Mm -hmm. That year we traveled more than any other time, perhaps. Yeah. We were all over the place from a ski country up in the northeast part of the United States to Antigua down in the Caribbean, um, back over to Europe. It was just one thing after another. And uh, I think that's what kept us going. And I know that's what kept her going. She needed that constant change of things because she that kept her so busy. She didn't have time to think about what had happened in November of 1963. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you left her her detail about a year after the assassination, right around the time of the presidential election. And you were day after, the, the day, day after, after the election. Okay. Okay. So you were even able to be at Mrs. Kennedy's funeral in 1994. So she obviously incorrectly valued you, appreciated you, and respected you for the brave and courageous work that you did. So how would you summarize that, that longstanding relationship with her? Well, we became, we started out where she didn't want agents anywhere near her. She didn't like the idea of someone looking over her shoulder 24 hours a day, and I don't mm -hmm. really blame her for that. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the point where she trusted me, I trusted her. Uh, she trusted me so much that she, I almost, you know, I should have been probably paid as a staff member uh, because mm -hmm. of uh, on that Ravello trip. I was the only person there that, other than her personal assistant, Vodensia Paredes, who was taking care of all her clothes. She had me doing everything from dealing with the Italian government, dealing with... Uh, buying clothes for her in Capri so that she didn't have to go, uh, which is in the best interest of security, by the way. Yeah. That's the only reason I was agreed to do that. 
and other uh, duties as assigned classic other duties as assigned in the job <laughs> yeah, well yeah it, you know all those things uh were, were things just not in my job description so. sure but you saw her sort of at her best moments at her worst moments you know you really did yeah and she, you know, that's what I think is so special about their relationship, Rachel, is it, as Clint said in, in the book, it, it was beyond friendship. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't romantic, but it, it was beyond friendship and it was beyond just, you know, a professional relationship. There was um, this deep bond. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe the best way to describe it is a deep bond they yeah. share because they went through so many things together. Um, and so many of the times, you know, her husband wasn't with her, her sister wasn't with her, but Clint was there. Yeah. She had yeah. a lot of tragic events happen. Yeah. It's, it's, it all started out in 61, actually, when the president's father had a stroke and we were down yeah. the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really tragic. And she and the president's father were very good friends. I mean, they were very close. Yes. So that really bothered her a lot. Well, she trusted it, you with, excuse me for cutting you off, but she trusted you with her life. Go ahead. Excuse me. Go ahead. Well, yeah. But then then 63 in August, she, she gives birth to young uh, uh, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick. Kennedy, and two days later, he dies. Yeah. I mean, that could, has in itself is just an immense tragedy on the, in her life and the president's life. Yeah. And then two or three months later, her husband gets assassinated right in front of her. Right in front of her. Uh, yeah. You can't just get any more tragic than that. I mean, it just doesn't exist. So no. We had those things in common on that side of the coin. And then the other side of the coin, we had all these good times out in Middleburg, up in the Cape, in Italy wherever she went, Morocco. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it was a, a mixed combination of things. And that's why I think we were so cl- close together. Sure. And because we shared these things in common. Well, as I was going to say, not only did she trust you with her life, which there are very few people I can sit here and say, I trust you with my entire life, but also you were forever bonded in that moment um of of his death that no one but really the two of you and the others that were in, in that moment could really understand and that's just that's a connection that just you can never it's just beyond words my I'm a writer and my words fail me um that's so powerful so powerful agent hill and so lisa i i wonder you've probably heard all of these anecdotes of, you know, you've known Agent Hill for a long time. What is your favorite anecdote about Mrs. Kennedy that, that he tells? Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a hard question. Um, um, I don't know that I have a favorite. Um, he, you know, I don't know. Is there a favorite you think I have? I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I just, I like the funny stories, you know, there's so many, you know, things that looking back are comical, like when, I mean, it wasn't funny when she fell off the horse and we have that picture. That's it. Whoever snapped that, it took, that's a 
I'm sorry that happened to her, but that was a great shot. Well, the photographer was the one that caused it. So what, what's funny about that to me is picturing Clint, you know, chasing after the photographer and probably screaming curse words at him, you know, <laughs> right. you know, you could have killed her. And, um, and, uh, you know, just imagining him in, in those scenarios. And then Mrs. Kennedy just gets right back up on the horse, you know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the way she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, one of the things that I loved in in this book that we uh, stories that we um, tell that hadn't been told before is about the spy camera, and yes. one of the things we found, and I found this, um, I think it was in the trunk or somewhere mm-hmm. in Clint's basement, and and I thought it was like a little pen, you know, a knife or something like a pocket knife. It was in this leather case, and I said, "What's this?" And it was in this box, and. Um, and he said, I'll tell you what that is. And so he had this spy camera and sure enough in the box were photographs that he had taken that had been developed, never seen before. And we show a couple of those photos yep. in the book. Yep. Um, so, you know, that was, that was really fun. I think that's a fun part of the book. Yeah, that, that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, at the end of the book, uh, and I'm looking at it as we speak, I think it's the last page. It's a blue background, white type. And it says, people often ask me, what was Jackie Kennedy really like? Well, now you know. And and for listeners, you've just got to get this book. It's just, I mean, even if you have a, pa- how could you not love Mrs. Kennedy? But I'm a huge fan. But even a passing interest in her or the Kennedy administration or the 1960s or the president, the presidency or history, please get this book for the full answer to this question. But, you know, we all know, or we think we do what Mrs. Kennedy was like as a public figure and as a first lady, but, and again, for the full answer, grab the book, but what was she like as a woman and as a person, what was she like to be around and sit across a table with at dinner? You're asking me that you, because I thought I explained that all in the book. That's yeah, what I'm saying. You got to buy the book. You got to buy the book, but give the listeners a <laughs> Give well, them a taste. What was she like? She was a wonderful, extremely bright lady. Uh, she spoke many languages, English, French, Italian, Spanish, some Greek. Mm-hmm. Not much. She had a great sense of humor too, didn't she? Fantastic sense. Of oh humor. yeah, but witty as all get out. She she liked to pull practical jokes if she could do it. Um, but I mean, there's she there are a couple of pictures. Yeah, she's very spontaneous. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there are a couple of photos in the book. One, and they were taken in uh, Lee Radziwill's home in London. When we came back there in 1962, 60, was it 62? Yeah, from India and Pakistan. And uh, mm-hmm. her good friend, uh, Beno Graziani, who was a photographer for the Paris Match, was there. And her uh, designer, Colin Cassini, he was there. And they were playing uh, this game, charades. charades, yes, and they were making all kinds of gestures, and and she brought out the stuff that some they had given her in India and in Pakistan, and 
they had they put the stuff on and we we have we happen to have photographs of it and it is just that's just her that's got a nonsensical fun <laughs> she liked yeah playful very playful, playful right? yeah she sounds like someone I would like to know. It's she sounds like someone I would like to be friends with, not because of her position. She would be. She would be someone you 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 would really enjoy. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had no airs about being fancy or anything else. You see some of those photos of her with a long raincoat and boots on, leading a little pony in the rain. Why? That's who she was. Mm-hmm. My last question for both of you, and again, my gosh, just I, I, the, the honor is mine to be with you today, but what do you both hope that readers get from this book? Well, I, I just hope that they get a better understanding of who she is. And you do. And what, she, and what she was like. And you do. And on every page. Well, that's exactly what I want for people to understand. Yes. Yeah, I have somewhat of a sense that they were there with her uh, on these various uh, yes. travels that we were on. And I think um, what I I found so fascinating was that without trying, she was really the best ambassador the United States has ever had. So true. So true. Just by being herself. And the world loved her. And at that time, the world loved America. Ugh. And oh, how wouldn't it be nice to go back to that time? Yes. So so well said. And even, and, even members of the uh, ambassador corps will admit that, that she was a very in, instrumental and very good ambassador. I think the best compliment that I can give you, and I've loved all of your books, and I really loved this one because of the photos, especially, but the best compliment I can give you is that I've read maybe every book that exists or close to about Mrs. Kennedy, and I learned so much in this book, and not only that, but you humanized her, and as I just said, you made me want to be her friend, not because of anything, uh, not because of the fashion or the glamour or the mystique of her or the first lady title, but because of who she was, because of the woman, the fascinating, compelling woman that she was at her core. And if that's what you were attempting to do, you did that in spades. And it's, it's such a great read. What an absolute honor to have you both here with me today, My Travels with Mrs. Kennedy by Clint Hill and Lisa McCubbin Hill is out October 25th. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank, Thank you. you, Rachel. Appreciate it. Yes. I am a student of history and to be able to talk to someone who witnessed perhaps one of the most, again, if not the most landmark events of the past 100 years in the United States was an honor I won't soon forget. Thank you to both Agent Hill and Lisa as well. The anecdotes, the photos, the memories in this book are so deeply rich. You really will walk away knowing Mrs. Kennedy more intimately than you ever thought you could. And I am so proud to have this beautiful book on my coffee table. Again, My Travels with Mrs. Kennedy is out today, October 25th. 
We'll be back soon with more incredibly moving conversations. You have no idea what we have in store. I'm so excited. We really do have some real gems in store for the end of season five. Stay tuned.